Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Vibrarian Radio Show. My name is Joelle, and Miss J, as my friends call me, and I am the Vibrarian. I am here with my mission to help elevate your vibration with empowering information that is positive and helpful to you as we all are doing this thing that we call life. I am coming to you from Mexico right now, from beautiful Playa del Carmen. I'm originally from Atlanta, and I've been down here spending some time, and this is one of the projects that I have been working on. I love being able to communicate with people around the country and actually internationally, so we can come together and talk about the things that we are learning and talk about topics that are of interest to the community. And I'm so excited, as you can tell from my voice this evening. Um, I am on blogtalkradio.com, the library, that's V-I-B-E-R-A-R-Y. And if you would like to call in to join the conversation this evening, The number is 646-668-8988. And if you are a Skype user, head on over to the show channel and click on the episode. There will be a Skype button at the top that you can click to join in, and I will see you in my queue. If you would like to actually talk at any time, please press the 1 button, and I will get you on as soon as possible so that you can contribute. Our discussion this evening is about astrology, and I'm wanting to talk about this because I'm down here in the Mayan area, era, area excuse me, of the Yucatan Peninsula, and when you're looking at astrology, it is the study, however, the idea that the stars and understanding the position and placement of the stars in relationship to ourselves can provide us helpful information. And I'll tell you what, down here I have been visiting archaeological ruins that were built by the Mayan civilizations uh, sometimes up to 1,500 years ago. And one of the most famous things down here is the Grand Temple Chichen uh, Itza, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. And I'll tell you what, it is a breathtaking and amazing experience to see this structure. And then when you get out there, the tour guides start explaining to you why exactly this pyramid is so important and amazing. We find out that there are certain times of the year that the sun or the moon will appear in an aspect relationship to how this pyramid was constructed so that life creates certain phenomena. So here we have 1,500 years ago or earlier that a civilization of people felt that it was so important, the alignment of the stars was so important that they had to construct an entire community worship practice and and building around where the sun was going to be during a singular day of the year. That is 
very, very interesting to me to consider the concept. And what you find are places all over this world, such as Stonehenge, the uh, Giza Pyramid. We find these massive structures that have been built to an exacting degree of engineering and science so that a specific stellar phenomenon is lined up on a single day. That is pretty awesome. And when I went to see Chisanisa, I was able to go on the day that shows the reason why Chisanisa was built. The famous thing about Chisanisa is that on the equinox, the shadow phenomenon against the side of the pyramid based on the way that the sun hits it at between the minutes of 4.45 p.m. to 5.15 p.m. in a window of maybe three days, if you are there and the sun actually is out and not clouded on that day, you will see a shadow of a serpent rising up the side of the pyramid. And this is the, in Mayan uh, I don't want to call it mythology because it is not necessarily mythological, but in their story, this is the feathered serpent god, Kuku Khan. And on the spring equinox, he rises to the heavens and ascends, the shadow ascends. And on the fall equinox, which is in September, which is when I was, then it comes down the descending path when the god then brings in the harvest. And that coincides with the mid-September then into the, what we typically know as the harvest season. So here we have people who we consider by today's standards, they did not have GPS systems. Uh, they did not have Google Maps or Waze or any of those things that we rely on in order to guide us as we're living our lives. But what instead they had was an ability to build observatories and structures of stone and limestone so that they would be able to experience these phenomena. So when I put my, my own belief system into perspective, I would have to say they might know something that I don't. And there might be a reason why that was important that I do not have knowledge of. Therefore, let me pay attention to what they were doing and see if I can learn something from it. You can find references to astrology, which astrology used to be considered, from what I understand it, part of the whole field of cosmology. It actually was part of what the scholars observed not just the movement of the stars through the sky as they were going uh, through the seasons and their placement from the, the, the calendar year, but also then what those movements caused in the earth realm. There were whole schools of people within each community who were devoted to the study of these movements. And if you want to refer back to what a lot of people like to refer uh, to the Bible, 
one of the most famous things that we know in the in the birth of Jesus Christ, which is the whole foundation of Christianity, is that the wise men followed the star and that they foretold the coming of Christ's birth. And I think that I've read somewhere that even that they had journeyed for actually a couple years to get to Bethlehem at the time appointed when Christ was actually going to be born. So here we have another uh, reference of the importance of star placement for an action. They were not talking about, you know, when a comet would come across the sky. They were talking about when an important person was going to be born. So Right now in our modern era, we look at stars and say, well, are we going to have a solar flare? When is Comet Hale-Bopp going to come into the atmosphere again? We've really moved into a very analytical place in terms of looking at what the stars do. And I would like to, I know it's not challenging for me, but I would like to challenge people who may not have considered astrology something viable Look at it with new eyes and look at the ancient uh, history of how the stars have been seen to influence people in an actual emotional and behavioral sense rather than in the mathematical and scientific sense. So I also know that if you are a fisherman, you know that you, when the tide is at a certain level, it is going to be beneficial for you to plant, I mean, to go, to go fishing. And, and when the tide is at an opposite level, you know that it would not make any sense for you to go fishing because the fish are not going to be there. So people who are dependent on the natural world around them for their success, people who are dependent, such as fishermen, people who plant and harvest, they have learned that it is best to align yourself with the cycle of the natural world if you wish to be optimally successful. You want your plants to grow. You want the fish to be in the net. You better pay attention to what nature is doing so that you can maximize it to your benefit. And I have taken that same approach in my modern-day techno-future-human life. And so I have learned and been studying the stars and astrology as a way to be more successful. And I honestly believe that I have been able to do so by coming to a greater understanding of what astrology is and how it uh, can, how taking clues from what is happening in the, the stellar world around me and taking those into my real world every day and seeing if I can be in the flow of that. So I don't talk about looking in the newspaper and seeing underneath the Dear Abby column, your little three-line horoscope. That's what most of us, we see, and that's what we've been exposed to. I know as a child, I would always turn back to that section and read the Libra for the day. It was always less than 20 or 30 words and very vague in general. 
And as I got older, you know, everything, well, astrology, that's just mumbo-jumbo. So I get into later dating years, and you always encounter that that kind of smoothie bar pickup line, hey, honey, what's your sign? You know, that was the little 70s column card at the, at the disco is, what's your sign, baby? Is it groovy? <laughs> right? So we've been, we kind of got this joking idea about it, but other people have taken it much more seriously through the years, and it's only been in my older years that I began to really examine more specifically what exactly is astrology teaching? Wikipedia tells us that it is the study of the movement and relative position of celestial objects as a way for divining information about human affairs and terrestrial events. So what this means is it's looking at the stars and how they move, and let's figure out if we can, if we can determine what is happening in our life and who we are and how we are going to behave based on something that we see in the sky. So in Western astrology, and there are different forms of astrology I've learned, and they're very nuanced and somewhat different, but then they do come together in a common way. So in personal astrology, it basically says that based on the time when you were born, where the stars and the planets were is going to have an influence on your personality, your behavior, how you experience the world, and then how others experience you. So, what this means is that at the moment that we are born, there is actually, it's like being on a map at a very specific point in time. And to know that when you, let's say you were driving to the store and you got hit by a car, they want to know where were you going, what were you headed, what time of day was it, and so on and so forth. And at that exact moment of impact, it creates a moment of time or a dot on the map. So we are that dot on the stellar map. So at the time I was born, the sun was in a specific, specific position. The moon was in a specific position. The stars and largest planetary objects, such as Venus and Mars, were in very unique placement. And most of the theories will say that it is impossible even for twins to have the exact same astrological dot on the map because they're not being birthed into this world at a specific time together in most cases. Um, and so even that one-minute degree change or two minutes or however long the gap is between the twins, there is an opportunity for there to be a slight variation then in how the energy plays out for them throughout their lifetime. So if I am this dot on the galactic, the first thing that is most important to figure out in placement 
of Western astrology is where was the sun? What is your sun sign? So if the sun in the zodiac, as we call the, uh, the, the chart of astrology, the zodiac, the sun moves through certain signs throughout the year. And each of these places of the sun have been given a name. So Aries is the first sign of the zodiac, and then about uh, every, I think it's 30 days or so, um, the sun moves into then a new aspect of placement. So I know that as being born on October 14th, I can look at the zodiac chart for Western astrology and say, I am falling under the name of Libra. And I think many people kind of know generally what their sun sign is, okay? So this is the sun is going to represent the dominant personality of people. And I know that in my... um, Today, as I was walking down the street, I saw a sign that caught my eye, and it was from a jewelry vendor who says, the sun represents the epicenter of our being, our existential being, our spiritual reference, the footprint of our DNA, which causes our life force and our creative potential in search of our ideals. So this is your primary personality. And what astrologists have done is look at the behaviors and traits of persons born under a certain zodiac influence. So when we can look at our sign of Libra, per se, and the, the scholars and the books and the knowledge that has been collected on this will say, this is the sign of balance and the scales. And we can actually, you know, then look into the stars and see where some of these signs, if you want to look to see the Libra scales, you can find this constellation of Libra in the actual sky. So they would say the scales as an object represents the balancing and weighing of one thing against another. The traits of what that looks like in a personality have been assigned or attributed to Libras. It is the sign of balancing. Now, I can say, you know what, I just am who I am, and it doesn't have a darn thing to do with the signs. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just mumbo-jumbo. But if I were to then look more specifically at incidents over my lifetime, it might be revealed to me that, you know what, I have uh, found myself weighing my options sometimes and looking at the pros and cons of things. And if Libra has been known to be the sign of justice and the balancing out of bad against good, and if it's been said that Libras are drawn to the field, the legal field, and that they might make good attorneys, well, no, I'm not an attorney. But it turns out I've actually been in a law-related field for a better portion of my professional career until I departed last year. So, hmm, could I consider that as 
coincidental or would I be able to say, you know what, maybe there is something to my natural tendencies as a person that is drawing me to be successful because I have this ability to see both sides of the story and to be balanced and to weigh fairly and with justice options for people. I choose to actually align and say, I will actually receive this as true, that I might be displaying Libra tendencies. And of course, I actually am very proud of being a Libra. <laughs> and I have a lot of friends that are Libra. And it's quite interesting because we are consistently finding that we are doing those same activities of weighing and balancing and considering options together and balancing things together. And that, that balancing energy kind of comes forth. So uh, is this a belief that is reinforcing the idea and the behavior and how we receive it, or is it vice versa? So... I was getting a little specific in terms of my personal example, but what the astrology has done is give us very broad generalizations about each of the 12 signs. And I am working with the 12 zodiac system. Again, there are other systems that are from other cultures around the world, such as Vedic astrology, which would actually have my sign I think somewhere in Scorpio, um, but I think that the Scorpio personality, even in Vedic astrology, is slightly different from what we understand it to be in Western astrology. So if we were to look at the Aries personality, which is the first sign of the, the zodiac, it starts somewhere in the mid of March, and if there, if there is anyone here who has information that is an astrologist or is an Aries and can, wants to pop on the line and talk about it, um, it basically, uh, please feel free to do so. So the Aries covers the period of March 20th to April 19th. So if you were born in that sign, then you're the sign of the ram and your element is fire, and this sign is considered to be ruled by or governed by the energy of the planet Mars. Mars. So astrology takes everything in the sky and categorizes it and classifies it. So just in, as in the world, there are the elements of air, earth, fire, and water, the 12 signs of the zodiac have been divided into each of those categories. So air signs are the signs that are most closely identified with thinking processes, the processes of air and mental action. Fire signs are those signs that are most closely associated with the energy of movement and passion and fire, burning. Earth signs are those that are most associated with stability and groundedness and uh, slower precision. Water signs are associated with emotionality, 
sensitivity. And so the premises of how the elements are described, it is not singular to astrology. If we look at the older of civilizations, so even like the modern civilization, they were there are plenty of symbols on their pyramids that speak to those four things, earth, air, fire, water. And the ideal thing is to be balanced in all of those aspects to create a whole. Without uh, water, the plants and the earth could not grow. Without earth, there would be nothing for them to grow into. And without air, nothing would breathe, and so on and so forth. So it is the interconnected reality. And so also in astrology, we are then interconnected. So if fire is the initial energy of creation, then Aries is its line to be the first sign of the zodiac. And following Aries then, and again, I'm not an astrologist, so I'm remembering this off the top of my head. So after Aries is Taurus, which is an earth sign. So Taurus is the sign of the bull. And stubbornness has been associated with Taurus and steadfastness and strength, uh, consistency, the same elements of earth energy. And behind Taurus is then the Gemini. Yes, I believe it's Gemini. So that is air sign energy, which Gemini is two sides of things the front and back facing, the twin. So uh, that is an energy of thinking, primarily energy. And then we have cancer, which is the sign of the crab. And crabs are in water. So cancer is a water sign, which is more associated with emotionality. Then you move back again to the beginning of the wheel to fire again, and we have Leo, the lion, the roar, passionate, big-hearted, and, and full of love for the world. But, um, lion, hear me roar. But uh, also just like the lion, not the cowardly lion and Wizard of Oz, but of course the lion, big-hearted, big in love, again, fire energy. Moving from fire then on again into earth, you have Virgo, the virgin. The, and it is associated with the energy of being um, attention to detail, orderliness, and observing detail and order in others to a high degree, being clean and pristine and white, such as virginal energy. And then we move forward again, and by now we're in October, and we are in the energy of air sign, which is, again, about thinking and balancing, reasoning different aspects against each other. Moving out of air energy, then we follow up with Scorpio back to water, which is dealing with emotions and the energy of uh, death, scorpions, sting. A scorpion isn't afraid of death. It will sting and die, and, and it is considered to be very so feeling about the world that it causes these strong and instant reactions. Again, water, emotion. 
And then we're back to the last set, which is Sagittarius. And that is, again, fire energy. And I believe that is the archer is the, uh, the symbol for that. And then we follow with Capricorn, which is, again, an earth energy. And, again, by now we're getting towards December. And in that time period uh, in the northern hemisphere, like in the United States, all of the plants are in the ground, in the earth. Nothing is growing except underneath the surface. And we move on then through the December energy into January. And let's see, we're moving from Earth. So we have then air sign, which is Aquarius, which is about thinking and logic and sitting back and evaluating. And then we end the 12th phase of this grand wheel with Pisces energy which is the two fish swimming in the water. And Pisces are known to be very empathic, to be very sensitive to others around them, and to also be somewhat emotionally up and down and and easily moved by other people's stories, dwelling like fish in the waters of emotion. So as you listen to these short summaries, did anything trigger for you to say, hmm, you know what, I am born and I've been told I'm uh, Aquarius, but I never knew what it meant, or I've been told that I was a Pisces, but I never paid any too much attention to it, but you know, I do kind of cry a lot, or, or maybe I am somewhat sensitive to people. Could there be something to this? So if you are looking then at your sun sign, and if you have a sun sign kind of story about how possibly you discovered a little bit more about yourself once you realized uh, uh, or learned more about your sign, please feel free to hit the one button and uh, join the conversation. I do have several callers on the line listening this evening on our online uh, call network. And for those of you listening in our streaming room, in our chat room, I thank you as well for joining us. <laughs> and I would like to say hello to my various uh, friends and folks that I know who are out there listening. I know that the ladies at Speak Natural Hair Design in East Point, Atlanta, are listening tonight. And I just thank you for joining me virtually, ladies. You know I love you so much. And also uh, to Hanifa and Stacy and my various supporters that are out there, as well as my friends here in Playa del Carmen, I'm just so excited to be able to talk to you about this subject tonight. And just uh, hit me up if you'd like to chime on in. So in looking at the basics of astrology, it asks you, what, where was the sun? when you were born. And so we've discussed a little bit about what your sun sign is, and and there are specific dates that you can look at to see where your sign, what your sign state is. And in general, they're going to run from around the 20th or 21st of each month to the next month. 
starting with the Aries period from March 20th to April 19th, and so on and so forth. Now, most of us stay in the realm of sun sign astrology. And many of the books that you will find out there on the shelves in, in bookstores and all of that, especially at the first of the year, they'll, they'll want you to know, um, well, what is my year going to look like? Am I going to find love? And, or I just met someone. I want to know, are we compatible as a sign? That's uh, most of the times what people want to know is how to use astrology in their relationships, right? So um, I think Cosmo magazine, I remember when I would be in high school, Cosmo would have a lengthy, lengthy um, kind of article that talked about the year ahead. And I think at one point you could actually buy a special supplement from Cosmo that was just the um, the – year ahead and love and career for uh, for each of the sides. So there has been some acknowledgement in modern study uh, at a broad level that it could be important to look at um, to look at when you are born. So I'm going to stay within the most basic levels of astrology as possible for our conversation. So based on when you were born, you have your sun sign. Now, it has also been interesting to say that it shows us that the planets are like a big clock. And so that clock is not only divided into uh, the signs and what they represent, but it is also divided into what are known as houses. So the houses are basically the story of human life. So the first house, which will be the initiation of your birth and personality deals with the self. And this talks about self-awareness, the personality, your identity, your beginnings, and what you what is initiated and how you are perceived. The second house starts to look at that which is then external. And it, the second house, excuse me, is seen to govern your money, your possessions, the things that are of value, including uh, how you value yourself, value yourself. Not how you behave, but how you value yourself. And it also talks about how you earn your money and how you spend uh, your own money and then your attitude about the material world around you. The third house is seen as the house of communication and your environment, and it governs um, even like your transportation. Uh, it, so it, it would it'd be considered like the house of gossip, of conversation, of writing, uh, whatever communication looks like for you. The fourth house 
is going to be the aspect that governs your home environment, your root. Um, and this is like about the upbringing of a person. In the fifth house, we move on to like the things that we like to do for fun or like our children, creativity, our hobbies. How are we enjoying being who we are? This is in, uh, you know, the fifth house. That even include how we date and engage in that kind of romantic interaction with people. The sixth house is said to reference the daily activities of service and behavior, such as um, are we serving in a government capacity? Are we volunteering? Are we taking care of anyone? What quality of work are we putting out there in the world? Not what we're doing, but how are we doing what we're doing? How are we responding to any kind of crisis and things? That is governed under the sixth house. And the seventh house is considered then to be the house of partnership and marriage. Um, how are we in relationship? What is going to uh, be the thing that we look for in a mate and a partner? What is the thing that is going to make us um, desire to be connected to a person in that deep, intimate house? And how do we relate to in a relationship sense? Right, so the eighth house is opposite the second house in that the eighth house, the second house deals with money and how you deal with your own money, and the eighth house is about how you deal with other people's money. So, uh, you know, joint finances, joint assets, um, taxes, inheritances, um, I'm going to get them back around to this because right now it may not make sense as to what the purpose of the houses are for. Uh, but, it, you know, the eighth house is also seen as a time for transformation and healing. The ninth house deals with our belief systems. What do we, not what do we know, but what do we understand things to be? And when we are searching for them. It's like the house of philosophy. Like, why does it all matter? Why am I who, who I am? And what is the meaning of it all? That is in the area of the ninth house. The tenth house is looking at how successful we are and are we receiving, like, laurels and accolades? Where are we going to be seen by the others as being successful? Uh, in our achievements and responsibilities. Um, it's like how has your career progressed um, rather than how are you doing your daily work. The 11th house is like the group of large communities and friends, our community around us, uh, our, our societal connections who we most identify with. In the 12th house, we are going to be at a space where we are very nearly at the end of the zodiac year. And so the 12th house is considered the place where it is time for us to review 
everything that has happened to us or who we are and uh, our kind of evaluation period where we are resetting or looking to end the cycle so that we will be able to move back into the first house and reset the wheel again to move forward. So the reason that houses are important is because the astrologers will look to where the planets fall at the time of your birth, and they will say, well, you know, uh, your moon I think there's a famous song we all know. When the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter is something other, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. You know, I'll sing it for you, but that's not the show. (laughs) But uh, basically um, what you would be able to do is say, where was, uh, what was in my seventh house at the time that I was born? Which planet? And then by looking at what was happening in that house, I can align or determine the future repetition of when I am going to be visiting these energies again. So it's kind of like if you were to have a regular map that uh, shows at a zoom-out level your whole city. And so it is going to show the major intersections, the big highways, like in Atlanta, it would be Highway 85 and 75 and 20 east and west. That is kind of where your sun sign is. And if you click that zoom in button, then you realize, you know what, it's not just interstates in Atlanta, there are major thoroughfares. So That is a degree of detail that is more revealing when you want to go into navigation. So taking stuff into the houses is like shining a magnifying glass then on that larger map picture to say, you know what, I am lost and I'm not able to get to an interstate. I need street-level mapping. And so by looking at the various aspects of the houses in our placement, we can get that level of detail. And we know that we can even zoom in using Google Street View now and look at the fronts of buildings that are on the address near the neighborhood and community that we're seeking directions about. So Astrology can take you even into that level of detail. Now, I, again, am not an astrologer. There are lots of software out there that can help people kind of run your own chart. You could, you could Google free birth chart and be taken to any number of websites that will allow you to type in your birth date, time, and location down to the minute and the city where you were born to tell you very specifically everything about your chart. And then most of those free birth charts will give you a very basic outline of what it means 
to have uh, Neptune in your second house or and Libra Sun and Moon. It, you know, it, people start to glaze over when you start to get past the sun sign level because it can be rather confusing and complex. And I always refer to professional astrologers. Um, I read as an area of interest about it and have studied in the general sense. But if I want to know something very specific, such as, you know, am I uh, I'm looking at uh, some major life changes, can we sit down for 30 minutes for an hour, and can you give me some insights as to what the astrology report for me is showing at this time? And I believe that it is just like going to a doctor and asking them to run tests to evaluate and see if something is wrong with my physical body or right with my physical body. Then I will go to an astrologist, an expert in the understanding of stars, planets, and their movements, and I will sit down with them and um, let them do a diagnosis. Now, um, most of the astrologists that I know, they will not tell you, you should do this or you should do that. What they will say is, there is an energy that is present by you being a Libra that says that balance is going to be something that you are going to be dealing with. You need to consider X, Y, Z. And they will lay out for me the information and knowledge based on what they understand of the planet, their characteristics, and their movement. And then I take that information back and I decide uh, what I'm going to do with it. So here is an interesting example. One of the planetary movements that is said to affect people a lot is Mercury retrograde. And it gets in the esoteric circles of people who talk about astrology, you know, because I would say, well, it gets a lot of play, and people are like, it doesn't get a lot of play. I've never even heard of a retrograde. What do you mean it gets a lot of play? What I'm saying is in the circles of people who talk astrology talk, (laughs) there is conversation about the dreaded Mercury retrograde. So Mercury is known as the messenger It is the planet of communication, and it makes its transit, its orbit in relationship to the sun, it goes uh, in a period to where I think maybe three times a year, it enters the back part of its orbit, which we, we term it a retrograde. It's not actually reversing, but it is on a uh, rear side of its circular path, drawing close to the sun and further away from the sun. And all of these planetary movements are based on their positioning as it moves around the sun, which is the center of Western astrology, as opposed to other systems that might use the moon as the primary center for understanding people's behaviors. And, and personalities. So sun sign astrology says it's important to understand that Mercury is represented as the planet of the messenger 
and that three times a year, when it gets into what's known as its retrograde orbit, retrogrades are times for re, revisiting, reworking, revising, repurposing. And so during a retrograde period, it is quite possible, especially if we're talking about mercury and communication, that there are going to be problems with our communication. And we might have to rewrite an email that was misunderstood by a colleague. We may have to resend a text that did not go through. We may have to return a computer that we purchased during a Mercury retrograde um, if it, uh, because it might have a hardware problem after we get it home, or it might be a lemon, and we find that out afterwards. So there are a lot of cautions out there about what you should and should not do with your communication during a retrograde. Now, I'm not saying that it's true, but what I do know is to my understanding, as I calculated, both the iPhone update for number 10, which shut people's phones down and people had to return those phones and Apple could not, I know several people who had phone failures and I remember reading articles about it, that uh, it was not a good operating system update at all and it was buggy and they had to send a revision almost immediately. I also think we're all very familiar with the Mercury, with the uh, Samsung exploding battery. And I believe that both of these events actually took place during Mercury retrograde. So somewhere, somewhere in Samsung, I'm very certain that if and someone in the product development queue had been an astrologer or been knowledgeable about astrology, they could have said, you know what, maybe, just maybe, we don't want to release this new phone technology during a Mercury retrograde period. Now, people would scoff at that in the staff meeting and say, you know what, that's not <laughs> Why would we hold back this million dollar whatever because of some spooky science? Well, I believe that it is costing Samsung a lot more now to the tune, I think, of about 17 million or billion out of some crazy amount because now they have a communications project that failed in a spectacularly visible and expensive way. I'm not saying that they could have, should have done it better, but I am saying that they should have, could have done it better. And to be honest, when you look back over the old history of things, uh, they will say that the king called in his wise men and the astronomers in order to determine when would, when it appeared to be most favorable for them to begin the conquest of, say, the Roman Empire, or even older than that. There, there are stories and knowledge that show that uh, there was consultations done between the rulers and the astrological scholars so that they would be able to 
be as successful as possible. And I think that we've all heard the stories about Nancy Reagan and her having an astrologist uh, on her call to be able to talk to during the Reagan era. Now, what level of influence that filtered up to her husband and President Ronald Reagan uh, is up completely for speculation. But certainly there is evidence there that there has been star consultation by people as wise and powerful as the product developers at Samsung who thought that it was prudent to consult someone with star knowledge before undertaking things that were very important to them. I personally feel like it is important enough for me to pay attention to at least understanding my um, birth and star place on this grand spectrum of reality that we have, that I have spent uh, you know, my own personal time studying it, and I speak regularly with people who have done more studying than myself. And I, I find it quite fascinating because the more I learn, the more it resonates with me. And I will tell you, if you go to um, my channel on YouTube, The Vibrary, um, I don't have a custom URL yet, so you will need to go ahead and type in the search term, The Vibrary, and that is V-I-B-E-R-A-R-Y. On my channel, I have several playlists from people who are astrologers and scholars explaining in better terms than I am this evening about astrology and readers who are providing astrological forecasts on a weekly or monthly basis. And I have put the ones out there that I have found knowledgeable in, in the few years that I have been listening in order to share them with you. So I would certainly invite you to surf on over there when you get an opportunity and listen to some of the teachings. One of the most unusual things, what well, was unusual to me, but maybe not to others, is that I stumbled upon a playlist that was from a, a Jewish rabbi. And his lecture series was entitled Astrology from the Jewish Perspective. And I'll tell you, when I saw it, the first thing I thought was, hmm, I didn't even know there was a Jewish perspective on, in astrology. And I guess that was showing my lack of understanding about Jewish religious teaching. And I certainly don't feel bad or ashamed about that. I'm just stating it as a matter of course, because it turns out as I was listening to his lecture, I, I learned how integral it was into the teaching of, of how and who they are as people of faith and how to operate then with that knowledge of their personalities in order to fulfill their, um, their religious purposes. Now, coming out of a Judeo-Christian type of traditional family and upbringing, I was always kind of not taught directly. My parents never condemned astrology or anything like that, but it was kind of understood that divinatory arts were something that was not of the church and not of God. And that, what I found later as you start to read in the biblical stories, you do find plenty of times when uh, 
like I said, if you're starting from the wise men consulting the stars, uh, it's that's the most prominent story I think in in the Bible. It's talking about a star-based uh, advanced knowledge that uh, led the wise men to that specific point in time. You know, and as a child, I thought that they just kind of rolled up that night, like, "Hello, where's the baby?" But I understand now from reading other context materials that it was actually a journey, and it wasn't that necessarily they showed up on the night of his birth, but certainly they came and spoke of this foretelling of the star, of the star that was coming, you know, uh, to mankind. And then they were also able to speak to what impact this person would have in, in the world based on what they were saying, so much so that it caused the king to issue a decree trying to find out where this child was that they were talking about so he could try to uh, remove him from being the supposed threat that he thought he was going to be. So I discovered then that there were some different nuances in the biblical uh, teaching as it had been distilled to me through modern-day church that was a little bit maybe different. And so I was able to move myself into a place of saying, this isn't of the devil. This is not, <laughs> this is not, I'm not endangering my immortal soul as I look at my horoscope. But it, for some people, that has been their reality and their reaction to when someone says, oh, I went to my astrologist just to say, wait a second, you should go to your pastor. Wait a second, you should go to, you know, uh, you need prayer. What are you doing talking to the astrologer? That's undue influence, you know. I find the evidence that it has been extremely important, not only in engineering, but in the practices of societies that are much older and live much more in harmony with the elements in the earth around them, they found it so important to look at the placement of the stars. Therefore, I'm going to look at that example and move forward and personalize it. And as I have personalized it, then I am going to, I found that I have been able to be more successful uh, as I look at how I'm living my life. And I would definitely challenge you to continue to delve into what it means to have the energy of the sign that you are born under. Uh, if you've always heard that you're, you know, you're uh, a Sagittarius, but you don't know what Sagittarius means, then I would challenge you to spend 30 minutes or an hour listening to someone who talks about Sagittarius. And use a pen and paper, and as you hear stuff, keep two columns. Resonates, yes, and resonates, not so much. That's not me at all, right? So uh, I would say that the evidence from your own life is the evidence that you should put your trust into. So if it does not resonate for you, if you are a person born in October and you say, well, no, I'm not, uh, I don't have to think very long at all about something. I just go in and do it. I'm not a fair or balanced person. Uh, that just, the, the things that it says about Libra just, 
no, that's not me at all. Then absolutely take your own evidence and go with it. But if the lines and the check marks wind up coming in the yes column more times than in the no column, then I would also then challenge you to say, hmm, let me consider this as possibly having some truth to it. And I'm not saying then that you go out and you instantly start to buy every book on astrology and then you say, well, you know what? I can't like this, that, or the other because my sign does not like this, that, and the other, you know, uh, because I think that's where people go off the rails with uh, astrology and why people look at them with suspicion because, you know, if you call up your friend and say, hey, girl, I want to go to the movies tonight, and they say, I can't leave the house with the Mercury retrograde, I'm liable to be in an accident. You're going to say, okay, honey, you and your Mercury retrograde sit on home then and have a good time, <laughs> right? So don't use it as a fearful tool, but what I always hear them say, I think there's a couple famous people say, the stars can guide, but you decide. Now, I launched this particular radio broadcast during Mercury retrograde. I was aware that it was Mercury retrograde, and in fact, it wasn't just Mercury retrograde. There were several planets in retrograde, which is seen as a challenging energy. But when I started the radio show, I knew that it was the right time for me to do it because of other factors, and I just said, you know what, whatever communication challenges there might be, I'm just going to go with the flow and know that it is going to be okay and move forward. I was maybe three weeks into the show, having just finished my first show, uh, first three weeks of the show, when I um, actually got my phone or communication device stolen from my ear and as I was talking on it. So um, that was a communication challenge. It was very unexpected. The stars did not tell me your phone is going to be snatched off your ear and you're not going to have a communication device. But you know what? It turns out it was in alignment with the communication challenges of that energy. So not only was my phone gone, the Samsung phones were blowing up, the iPhones weren't working good, and, you know, uh, all manner of technology challenges seemed to be appearing in my personal reality. I wound up being offline for several weeks and just last week was able to finally come back on the air again and continue with my communication project. So, again, I didn't let it stop me. I was aware that I might have challenges in going with it, and I actually emerged now no worse than aware. I didn't lose anything. Uh, I was able to get my phone replaced. I'm able to be back talking to you all on this show this evening and going forward. So that is an example of the fact of not being fearful or preventing yourself uh, Hey, I just don't think fear should ever be a motivator for you to, and certainly not suspicion like, oh, my God, if I do this, I will not be being a Libra. Oh, if I do that, then, it, you know, I'll have catastrophe and disaster because it's, it's the retrograde season. 
No, I don't believe that any astrologist uh, who is a good astrologist would even have you respond in that way to the knowledge and information that they're giving you. They're just trying to provide you some insight that you can add to your personal mental calculator and framework to kind of crunch your decision. And, and, you know, it's like if you have Google Maps, it will tell you the route to go. And the, the quickest, shortest pathway based on what you tell Google you want your map to look like. Well, pretty soon a product named Waze or I don't know, Waze, Waze, however you say it. I believe it's Waze, but don't laugh at me if it's not. But it, it emerged on the market because it was a dynamic, on-the-moment mapping app. So if there was a car accident, then you would automatically be rerouted along the most common pathway that other users of this app had determined in their driving patterns. So the app was instantly able to help you adjust on the fly to challenges and things that you would not expect to see had you just been looking at your regular Google Maps. Interestingly enough, before long, Google Mapping started to have live traffic incident level reporting and doing the same thing. So. I think it's pretty cool because I, as a person, can sit around and map myself through my life as normal, but I can then get an astrological understanding on a regular basis, like a monthly basis or a weekly basis or whatever regularity. For me, I listen absolutely at the beginning of a month, and then I'll usually hit it a couple times during the month to see what the weekly energies are, especially if I know that there is a major planetary movement that is influencing people. So um, I'm not down to street view level Google. I'm maybe up a few degrees, but I know that there are some people who every day they're going to access their chart and see what planet is doing what, and they're going to say it's too important for me to get to work on time, to get this project launched, to do whatever it is that they're important to them. I can't be late for work, whatever that looks like for you. So whatever tools you need and whatever level of specificity you need in order to make you successful, then do that, what works for you. And if it has worked for you to discount astrology and to never even think about what sign you were born under, and that has worked for you and you have been you for all of your life and you feel like things are working smoothly and you don't even care to crack open that topic, then you're probably not listening to the show at this point in time. But I, in theory, I would say I respect that to you and I'm not judging your deciding to not accept astrology as a possibility by any means because to each their own. I still know plenty of people who are using MapQuest and not Google. So whichever one works for you or if nothing at all, some people just don't even want to get a map out to find out where they are. They'd rather just continue driving around blindly and thinking, well, you know what, I'll get there some way. 
But if you are lost, then you cannot find an explanation for why something might be happening. You're, you're really stumped as to why you encountered this energy or why you have not been able to move past something or why this uh, thing has just been a lot more challenging than what you expected, I would say to look into your stars and look into your chart and see if possibly there is something larger outside of yourself affecting you. I mean, one of the objects in astrology that is looked at is the moon. And our moon sign, where the moon was at the moment of our birth, is said to govern our internal selves and emotional world, whereas the, that which is hidden inside of us, just like the sun is our external personality and how we are presented in the light of day. So we know that the moon every day moves the actual tides on the oceans in and out, the gravitational pull of it. And we know that the full moon is commonly understood now to be a time when there is a lot of instability in people's demeanors and behaviors. That's where we even got the word lunatic from Luna, behaving erratically under the influence of the moon. And we see the whole werewolf story and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, he changed under the rabbit into something else that, uh, you know, I was speaking with earlier this week with um, one of the listeners this evening who was saying, is it a full moon or something? Because it seems like the people who are the most uh, erratic are in reality right now. And it, she looked it up, and sure enough, it was a full moon. And if you ask any nurse, I think they will say that the, the babies are born under the moon, uh, the fullest moon and that uh, the ERs are filled with all manners of people who've been injured from violent or erratic behavior. There are more domestic disputes, I think, after the Super Bowl and during a full moon are the two peak times for there to be domestic problems and disputes. So this is anecdotal examples of, of possibilities, but if the moon can move the waters of the ocean, why would it not be able to move me and I'm 70% uh, salty water? <laughs> Trying to be close to 80 and 90 by getting in the ocean down here in Playa del Carmen, but you understand what I'm saying in terms of influence. I am a much smaller object than the oceans of this planet. So I would think that uh, if it can move those waters of depth in and out of the shore in a measurable way with the tides coming in and going out every day, then it's quite possible that the movement of the moon is actually influencing me as well. And so understanding, um, you know, I think that I have a Leo moon. Yes, my moon is in the sign of Leo which is the sign of fire. It's a fire sign. And it's like you have the love for the world. You have the big heartedness to expand, to encompass those around you. And I certainly feel that way, you know. And I never knew until really uh, recent times where my rising sign and my moon sign fell. But I kept hearing the astrologers say, you know what, if 
the sun sign isn't speaking to you right now, don't worry about it. Check your rising sign, which is let you know what was coming up over the horizon at the time of your birth. And then check your moon sign because that's where your emotional self could be uh, revealing itself. And sure enough, when I take those three things, my sun in Libra, my rising Cancer, which is a water sign, and my moon in in uh, Leo. I have earth, excuse me, I have fire, air, and water. But as I uh, looked through my chart, I think it was last year, this lady said, you know what, you don't have any earth in any of the major planets in your chart. And I thought to myself, Huh, and she said, do you feel ungrounded? Do you sometimes not complete projects? Is it hard for you to pay attention to the end of things, even though you've been excited at the beginning of them? Have you moved a lot? I mean, all of my friends are like, oh, hell yeah, she moved a lot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, that shows, I think, in my personal life that um, the lack of earth energy is something that has played itself out in my reality. Now, what I can do going forward is to say, what do I need to do personally as a practice and behavior to bring more earth energy into my world since it was not necessarily present in my star alignment? So then I know that it has been very helpful to do a lot of work with my root chakra and grounding and to surround myself with people who have more of that earth calmness and steadfastness that can kind of give me a kick in the butt and say, hey, you know, why are you not finishing that? Go go do it. You said you were going to do it. Why didn't you finish it? You know, and I could say, Oh, you're right, you know, instead of my normal inclination, which would be, you know what, I'm just not interested in that part anymore. I found something new to look at and found something new and excited. And yeah, I know I was excited three weeks ago, but now it's boring and tedious and task-oriented. I can give myself a brisk shake and say, no, be grounded, be task-oriented, find a Virgo somewhere, attention to detail, and have her to give you some of her energy so that you can go ahead and, and bring that forward, even though it's not in your natural uh, spectrum of expression. And I think it was the, the Jewish rabbi who kind of had a teaching where we always hear about, well, the positive sign of each trait, and then we hear about the negative. Oh, well, Libras are fickle, and they're with you. They talk about the negative. I prefer to use what he talks about, which is the skillful application of what you were born with and the less skillful application of what you were born with. So what that looks like is a Libra is to say, well, we are good at balancing stuff and we are able to look at a wide variety of perspectives before making our decisions. And we will do that decision with as much fairness and justice as possible based on our innate nature. That's the skillful application of Libra. The less skillful application of Libra is that I can 
sometimes get stuck in the process of doing that over and over and over again, and I can waffle back and forth between two decisions. Like, do I want Chinese food or Italian food? I don't know. I really want both, you know, but you had Chinese food last night. You know, it gets into this place where I could be spinning around incessantly over something without actually then pulling a trigger and making a decision. Now, eventually I will make a decision, but sometimes I may spend too long in my balancing and weighing when I need to just cut to the chase and go ahead and move forward and use some of that fire energy of Leo to say, you know what, I made my decision, I'm moving forward, and boom, it's good, I'm go. So I can be a skillfully applied person based on what I understand of my personality, or I can be less skillful, and then I can learn to uh, account for those areas that could be challenging based on what the study of astrology has shown things to be. Um, I just am so appreciative of you joining me this evening. I still have some callers listening this evening, and I would like to bring you on the line here. Uh, caller number six three two three. Are you with me on the line? Hello, caller. I don't think so. So I have two people on the line who've been listening the whole time, and I believe that uh, one of the callers is a fellow Libra. Caller 2089, are you on the line? Girl, 6323 here. Oh, 6323 and 2089. Okay, so starting with 6323, I can hear you now. This is Monica, right? You know it. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey. Monica, what's your sign, honey? Okay, um, the lovable Capricorn, but I am a cuss baby, born after 12 midnight as we went from Sagittarius into Capricorn. So I'm very um, complex, I think, a little bit. I'm a little bit of everything right there, Capricorn, Sagittarius. And I, I agree with you. It was so hard trying to find where I fit. <laughs> <laughs> That is beautiful. That is way cute. That is so You said it was hard to find where you fit in the spectrum of things. Yeah. And you, when did you start looking at uh, astrology? Um, For me, I had really the same experience that you did. You know, I come from a long line of ministers and in Christianity. So I was, you know, young when the first day, I think it was a song that came out. Um, in my day, we gave the zodiac sign, and each guy that was a zodiac sign, that he would, you know, say, "Hey, I'm Leo, I'm a Capricorn." And I remember hearing that, and I said, "Okay, what is that?" And I went and I read about it, and I could see, like you said, traits of me. And I was like, "Okay." Uh-huh. You know, and and it was immediately the reprimand. You know, that's evil. You don't touch that. That's black magic. This is the reason why you ask God, this, that, and the other. And I was like, and I never got that feeling. Got a little older and mm-hmm. someone, um, the universe brought someone that introduced me to early Christianity. And my mind was blown because I didn't realize mm-hmm. that they knew 
<laughs> knew it then, and it was important for them to know it and how they were dealing with the people. So I was like, okay, I'll inch out a little more. Okay. Finally, after I got to know the signs and, you know, able to see those traits and family members and friends and allow the universe just to minister to me what I was seeing and connecting with, it was like, you know what, no barriers. I want to know it all. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And so I, you're down I, to that ways level. You're down to that very granular level of I don't want to be at the deep, far out. This I want to be deep in it and navigate with real specifics. Right, and it was like, and it was. I have to admit, it was one of the hardest humps that I had to get over was to be able to step out the constructed barriers of religion to you know just even step and test the waters. And what was so amazing to me is in my frustration in stepping to test the waters, it caught me. And it says, okay, no, it was okay for you to step out here. I got you. Now let's go on and learn a little bit more. So I kind of beat myself up that I allowed myself to stay in a box when there was so much more vastness and beauty outside of it. And from that moment on, I was like, I'm not going to take anybody else's opinion. I'm going to seek knowledge as I am supposed to and allow the universe to guide me. And I'm, it hasn't been wrong. Like I said, my biggest hump is the letting go of old traditions and thoughts and saying, okay, this is something new. Let's ride with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, it, one of my goals of this, particular show is to, you know, I say all the time, I am with jack of all trades, master of none. I I don't consider myself even a jack of all trades. I'm a a librarian by profession, and I consider myself to be a librarian now because I'm trying to really elevate people with positivity. So most of the time I'm approaching these subjects that are out there that may not be mainstream if you're not in the stream. You know, there is actually a large body of people, and you can look at even a regular bookstore and find a very healthy section of books on astrology, and that's not even needing to go to a specialty bookstore where they're dealing in metaphysical and esoteric-type material. So uh, it is mainstream to a degree, but it's certainly not necessarily considered academic science at this point of our reality. But that has not always been the case, you know. So by having the conversations that I'm having on this radio show, we're trying to kind of like uh, give a, a basic overview as a way to spark interest for people to ask more questions, to say, you know, wait, what was that she said about the houses? I don't even I don't even know what that is, and, and I got a little confused, but let me go see. And I can promise you there are people who are saying it uh, better and with more experience and knowledge than myself, but our, our conversation this evening gave you an opportunity to even hear about the house in the first place or even to hear about what astrology is, as I understand it, if it sparks you to go to uh, someone else or your local library, or even if you wish to contact me offline, 
you know, for more information, I'd be glad to send you information that I didn't create uh, that I find helpful and interesting so that you can continue to elevate your understanding of this topic. And I can assure you that this will not be our last show about astrology, and we will get into other things. I'm fairly certain because I had more than two or three people ask me to talk more about Mercury retrograde because we are going to be experiencing another Mercury retrograde uh, in December. And so uh, I am going to spend some time talking about that subject um, so that, A, we can all kind of satisfy our curiosity and make sure that if there's any fearfulness that we're able to move beyond that. But, um, it, you know, please send me your questions and information at Joel J-O-E-L-L-E, at the Vibrarian, T-H-E-B-I-B-E-R-A-R-I-A-N.com. And uh, we will definitely read your questions at a later show, and uh, you will receive a response back from me with whatever information that I can find that I think will help you with the question that you have. Um, I do thank you, Monica, for coming on the line and sharing with us a little bit. I'm in the last few moments of my show here today, and I just really appreciate all of you who are listening to this on a weekly basis. I do post these episodes on my YouTube channel uh, within about a week or so so that they can be listened to in that audience. And it remains here available for people to catch on another day on our Blog Talk radio channel, The Vibrarian. And uh, I do know that it is quite a lot of information, and it is also quite late at night if you're in the East Coast of the United States uh, on a work night. So whenever you take the time to spend this uh, with me to talk about stuff and, and Listen to me as I share the information that I have received and knowledge that I've gained. I am very, very grateful for you sitting here with me and experiencing this. Uh, my name is Miss J, and I am the librarian, and I will be back next week on Thursday. Oh, actually, I will not be back next week because in the United States that is going to be Thanksgiving. And so even though I'm not there at this time, I will be there in spirit with uh, people who are gathering with their friends and family and traveling uh, throughout the United States to go spend that weekend uh, eating turkey and, of course, beans, greens, yams, potatoes, whatever that little meme is that's going around Facebook right now. Uh, I know for a fact that uh, people will be spending that time with loved ones and watching football and probably eating uh, big meals. So I will not attempt to go on the air next week, but I will be back uh, the first week in December on Thursday, December 1st, and I will be back in Atlanta and hosting my show there. So I hope that you will come back and join me. I believe our conversation will need to be about Mercury retrograde if we're going to get it in before the retrograde energy really fully manifests. But I want you to know that we are going to have back Paula and Lucy 
They have been with me on a previous broadcast about chakra energy. Both of them are amazing healers and knowledgeable people. And I also have a couple special guests, uh, Prana and Hadia and uh, folks who are going to come, and we're going to sit down and talk about some other topics. We've got psychics um, on our upcoming list. We've got tarot and symbology uh, on our upcoming list. And we've got past lives and ghost phenomena. I mean, I've got a list, a hundred things long, that are stuff that people have said, why don't you talk about this? And things that I've said, why don't I talk about that? So I hope that you will come back again and join me for our regular conversation. This is Ms. J, the librarian, and I am so thankful for you. Wishing you much success this week. And namaste.